Hey there, Kevin Colby here. So excited to be talking to what what I the person I refer to as the godfather of live streaming, Ross Brand. How you doing? Hey Kevin, I, I don't even know how I follow that up other than to say thanks for having me. And uh, it's it's always great to chat with you. I, 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 you know, I, I always like to think of, of when's the first time I discovered somebody and I don't remember the first time I ever encountered, I just now thought the, the, the brand Ross brand, see what I did there, <laughs> but man alive. Um, just, I do when I, when I think of live streaming, I think of you, but for the few people, and I doubt there's a lot of them out there, they don't really know a lot about you. Just tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Sure. So my background was in radio. I worked on air in radio for 12 years, and then I started doing some other things. I, I thought my broadcasting on camera, on air, well, I was never really on camera, but my on air side of things, that, 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 was, that was done for me. And I stumbled into a platform called Blab in late 2015, and I mean, it changed my life. I mean, I just fell in love with broadcasting. And um, I didn't even know what Blab was when I went in there. And all of a sudden I found people, they're hosting talk shows. And instead of it being like a radio show or a TV show, it's people talking about business and marketing and, the, you know, really connecting. And every everybody and anybody could be a guest or jump into a seat. And there were these great pre-show conversations and post-show conversations and I said, wow, this is amazing. And and also how good some of the people were who had no background in doing any of this stuff. They came mm. from tech or they came from marketing. And I said, this needs to be highlighted. And And my idea wasn't to become a live streamer. It was to really cover and to some extent promote or shine a spotlight on the people who were, were doing it. And... I had a couple of opportunities to go on shows and I did. And then I started to get the bug to do this again. Mm. And I said, well, you know, if I started a show, I wouldn't really be becoming a broadcaster again. I would be using the show as a vehicle mm. to promote the website and the other things that I'm doing as more of a news journalist kind of role versus being a you know a creator although we, i don't even think we used the term creator for host back in 2015 <laughs> anyway once i hosted a show uh i was like wow this is it just it you're back it's like now oh, yeah. I'm, I'm back in my comfort seat um i i realized that i missed it that it's okay to kind of fall in love with it again and in fact, in a lot of ways, I liked it better because instead of being on a radio station's clock and schedule and, you know, being at the mercy of other people, I could mm -hmm. create the content exactly the way I wanted to mm -hmm. at the time I wanted to with the people I wanted to from my home. Um, and I just I just loved it. And of course, you know. Really, the show took front and center as I continued to have on guests and it grew and and people started looking to me for advice on everything from Mike to, you know, how you get a guest or how you host, a, you know, an interview. And like I say, I, I loved it. And I was like, this is the most me thing I could be doing right now. And 
So I was I was sort of back and I'm back and I'm telling you it's it's an amazing thing when you have a, something that you love and it you have some great times with it but you also think that you know mm. I need to put this behind me and then you get a second sort of a second act at it and you get to do it your way and I really, really enjoyed the last seven years, and I'm super thankful that, you know, I've had the opportunity to host shows and live stream and work with a bunch of bunch of brands and uh, along the way just connect with so many great people. And hopefully through my annual predictions and books and some of those those types of uh, projects, I've been able to shine a spotlight on what other people are doing and yeah. share you know, how they're contributing to this medium and also uh, the insights and experiences they have that other learn from. And, you know, we'll talk about the, the book here in just a second, because that, that's a big part of this. But you bring up something that I don't know that a lot of newer content creators actually get or appreciate is that, you know, it's, it's the, the thought of the gatekeeper. That that years ago, you know, if you had an idea, well, who even thought about podcasting, right? But if you had an idea for a show or a documentary or a video, you were so limited on what you could do and who you had to go through. But don't you find it like this is like the one of the best times and has been for a little bit to be a content creator? Absolutely. I mean, I never had more fun in radio when I was working for free at a college radio station doing my own show and I could do whatever I wanted to, I could say whatever I wanted to, there were no real world implications mm. and I was honing my skills and I was trying to be a professional, but you just don't realize how much of a gatekeeper world it becomes mm. not only to get in, but then in terms of what you can do, when you can work, who you can have on, what you have to say, what what the I, there is so much that goes into, uh, you know, a radio or TV career that people don't see from the outside. And, oh. you know, now to be able to do this from home, I mean, it's it's not more than, say, 15 years ago. And, and probably sooner, because I didn't have any of the gear to do this, I would have had to find studio time if I wanted to put an idea together. I would have had to create the old resume tape, go into a studio and read a newscast or a sportscast or do, a, do an interview and cut it up, you know. And, and that would have really meant, okay, how do I get studio time if I don't have a job in the industry, right? <laughs> and if I have a job in the industry... How do I get studio time to find a better job without violating sort of my employer's yeah. space to create that yeah. unless I'm constantly running, you know, cassettes at home or somewhere else for yeah. my own use? So it, it was very, very difficult to get past the gatekeepers. And it was difficult even as you got past the gatekeepers because it's a yeah. super competitive industry. And I, at least on the radio side, every program director and station manager is happy to open their office door and show you that pile of, you know, packages of people wanting <laughs> your job. Yeah. Uh, and, and, 
<laughs> so, you know, this is completely different because I can focus on the content. I can focus on the yeah. audience. I can do it on my schedule and then I can monetize it, not by relying on the station's paycheck, but on a variety of ways that I can help people get better at their own skill set. I can work yeah. with brands to get them to have content and access to audiences. And there's a lot of really things that I, I just love doing that have been a part of this. So I got to say, I thought, you know, radio was the be all and end all for me for, for 12 years. And look at this live streaming thing. This is pretty darn cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I started in radio before I got into TV and, and I think what it, it did is it just got me comfortable with just turning a mic on and talking. You know, because when when we're talking to a mic, maybe in a room by ourselves or a camera, you have to kind of project somebody maybe you're talking to. And and radio was that way. I mean, I did a lot of the <laughs> middle of the night shifts where, you know, you would beg, just please, is there anybody out there? Is it would somebody right. just please call? Even if it's even if it's the wrong number, would you just call and say hi? <laughs> you know, so there's always that that part of it. Um, you mentioned blab and things like that. What do you remember your very first ever? live stream hmm i remember my first show yeah I, I don't remember exactly my first time you know jumping into a seat or calling in as they say or being uh yeah. not really a guest but coming on to lend some insight you know they like pull you out of the chat ross come in here you know something about <laughs> this you know um but my very first show was november 23rd 2015 um, the guest was Jennifer Quinn, Jenny Q, who wrote the uh, forward to the first book, uh, 100 Live Streaming and Digital Media Predictions. And that's how it all started. I thought she was a phenomenal host on Blab. She was doing a daily show, uh, really in-depth interviews, was great at engaging with her chat and her community. And I said, this is this is the person I want to have on. Um as the first guest and, and she said yes and you know we've been friends ever since she wrote a great book on on live streaming that that really has helped a lot of people and yeah that's so i i definitely do remember that was definitely uh memorable and i really remember all the guests up to a certain point in all the shows uh, maybe i'd mix up the order or something but i remember those early yeah those early days i had coach jenny uh, mm -hmm. it was my second guest. I think Roberto Blake was my third guest. Oh, wow. Um, and so, yeah, it, it got off to a, a fun start. Now you have worked with, I mean, mega businesses and other creators and companies streaming and everything like that. Um, are, are there, are there, do you still get a, a kick out of, helping people like just kind of get started and understand it. You know, I mean, I mean, there's, I think I would assume there's one, there's a difference between working with businesses and individuals. Yeah. I mean, I think with individuals, there, there's, let, let's start with the similarities. The, th the similarity working with an individual or a business is how do you create content that works as a piece of entertainment or as mm. a piece of informational educational content and still has some sort of line of sight back to your 
ultimate business objectives, right? Mm. So how do you create something that I'm going to want to tune into that isn't just an infomercial for your business? Mm. And there's nothing wrong with selling and promoting your business, but that generally isn't the content people want to do exclusively. So how do you create something that works on its own so that I stick around and come back next week and then eventually learn about your business and yet it's closely enough related, not ex doesn't have to be exceedingly co close. You don't have to talk about your products and services constantly, but there's a enough of a relationship that when I need the service you provide, mm -hmm. I'm going to think of you because I watch mm -hmm. your show. And I, so that's what's in common with businesses and individuals. The next step with individuals is usually how do we make a business out of this and how do we get good enough at this that people will pay attention and that this will work for me, whether I have an audience of one or 1000, mm. because no matter how many people tune in, the repurposing of the content is often where you'll really get in front of a lot of people, whether it's a clip on social media or it's putting the content on your website and somebody you know, Googles you because you've been recommended. Like, let's close, let's make sure your content can close warm leads, right? Mm. Let's make sure if that's the piece of content that somebody goes to, it might be a 30 second clip from one of your live streams, but let's get your content up to that level where somebody's going to say, this is a person who knows what they're talking about and I'd like to work with. And it seems like they'd be fun to hang around or, you know, yeah. I, seriously. I mean, that's, that's the, does your content connect or does it not connect? Yeah. And connecting isn't just like, Hey, I like that guy, but like, yeah, I, I, I think I like the way he does, thinks about business. I think he could help me. I think I'd enjoy working with him. So that's, that's one side on the individual. On the business, the business may already have a fairly well-developed audience. Mm -hmm. Now it's how do they create content for that audience um, and keep that audience engaged and create a sense of community and loyalty to the product so that over time, those customers or those people who may be commenting in a Facebook group or you know using the product regularly and like it, now start telling other people, hey, come watch their weekly show, you know, come, you know, come to the town hall in the case like StreamYard, mm -hmm. great town hall. Then we did a show during the week. Um, I did a show that was weekly for nearly two years. Yeah. And it's like people come back to the show. Now it's like, well, why aren't I using StreamYard? It seems like it's a great product. And you know, and, and it was the same type of concept with Be Live mm -hmm. and with other other streaming products. It's you create something that works on its own, um, but it's and you're role modeling the product too, which is a yeah. part of it. So there's a lot of layers that go into it. If it's somebody in the industry, if it's outside the industry, it it's really comes down to how do we create content that people want and that they feel they want to watch. And frankly, the bar isn't as high as it should be at mm. this point. And I, I got to be honest with you. I love a lot of creators and I love a lot of their content, but I often watch shows that are done by bigger media or, mm -hmm. or more 
you know, more establishment people, even if they're anti-establishment, but they're part of a bigger media company or right. project, because there's a, there, there's a certain level of professionalism that I've gotten used to. And I think being able to offer that to a brand is one of the things that, um, is helpful. There is connection, there's sense of humor, there's, there's what you know, but it's also as a brand gets bigger and gets media attention from the New York times or, mm -hmm. you know, you know, your, your, your cable networks or your tech publications, you also want to have a certain bar of professionalism about the, the content that you're creating for your community and they start to expect it as well. So let me, let me ask a question then off of that. Um, sure. Do you, do you think anyone though, especially now, I mean, we both came from traditional media right. and now if you look at that, just how, how easy it is to get into digital media, if you will, do you think though that anybody, anybody has the ability to level up, their skills and their presentation if they want a more professional quality driven product i think most people I, I mean anybody can get better if they put if they learn some techniques if they you know most people don't practice at this when i got into radio i wouldn't just do the work that i was doing i i would go home every single day and open up the newspaper and read an article out loud, you know, like read the first few paragraphs of every article on, say, the front few pages, and I would read them as if I was telling that story in a newscast so that I would get comfortable reading in a way that I would talk. Um, and ultimately, I've always been better at being unscripted and, and talking off the cuff, but it was a way of, you know, kind of developing a delivery. Now, I'm not saying that that's what people need to do. Right. But it's how you open your show, how you keep people engaged, how you introduce your guest, how you exit your guest, how you promote your guest. Um, there are all these different things that I think most people don't really think about. And I I credit the radio background, the media hmm. background. Um, I also worked in, in as a print journalist for a little while. I credit all that for sort of understanding how it comes together and being able to quickly identify what people could do to, to level up their content. Now, you know, as well as I do, some people are more born to do this than others. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and there's an intangible factor that you can't always explain, but the audience likes a certain person or they don't. Yeah. Right. But you can improve. And I think, the fact is that most of the content out there focuses on the tech and focuses on marketing tips, tricks, tactics to beat the algorithm. And very little of it focuses on how do you make a good video? How do you host a good show? How do you create content that people actually want to watch? And it's more than just you know, here's how you structure a video. But yeah. if you don't know how to structure a video, start there. Then yeah. how do you, you know, with live streaming, I mean, it takes time to, I, I wasn't good the first time I hosted a show that I just, you know, went on and started talking. I wasn't good the first time I did a newscast or a sportscast or whatever. It takes time. And, and 
you know, most people, I think, when they do their first live stream or second live stream are far better than I was on my first radio show. Right. <laughs> um, but, but they don't do it enough and they, yeah. they get, I have a friend who says this about like zoom calls and stuff. And one of the reasons he doesn't record his zoom calls is he says they have all the informality of a conversation at a bar and all the permanence of a legal document. <laughs> <laughs> so we get sucked into thinking that we're having this casual conversation amongst friends and yes it should feel that way and yet what you put out there is going to become a representation of you and mm. your business so a lot of people never really progress past that like hey guys um i'm, I'm here I'm, I'm walking around outside the the game's gonna start soon i can't wait to go in and you know hey this one hey that one whatever and that's fine but that should be the complement not the the main course to mm. your content strategy unless you're so good at that 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 is all people yeah. want from you and you have a brand that that works with but too many people want to be like what they think a streamer is and not so much somebody having a conversation with an audience that is there to learn something yeah. or is there to be entertained because while I'm shouting out one person who walked into my broadcast and I'm thinking that I'm being cool and friendly by saying hello to them on and on and on. Right. I got a hundred other people who are sitting there going, well, what are, I, I was here for the conversation, not for, <laughs> you know, because your friend showed up, right? So yeah. you got to be able to do these things quickly and with pace. If you shout out somebody, it's got to be quick. If you have a human moment, then go all in with the human moment. Yeah. But, you know, sort of too many people are driving over the speed limit with this, but they're not driving fast enough to get to get anywhere faster than the people who are who are driving under it. Like, so if you really want to take off, learn how to take off. You know, learn how to do this well. And I, I think the the idea people have that, that this is broadcasting in the sense of it's got a lot in common with TV and radio, even though a really good live stream show, a really good YouTube video shouldn't be a copy of TV and radio. It should play to the strengths that these mediums have. Yeah. But I, I think too many people shy away from th wanting to think of themselves as working in the broadcasting profession to some degree when they're a media creator and, and, and just want to think of themselves as a marketer who uses tech. Yeah. And when you do that, you know, what, what would you rather listen to over an hour long form? Would you rather listen to a broadcaster or would you rather listen to a marketer? Yeah. And, and so, you know, people kind of take, you, you know how radio is, right? You learn from you learned from listening to the radio over all the years. You picked up little things that you, mm -hmm. you're not even conscious of. It's just the same way music does, right? So when people think of themselves as marketers, then they look at other marketers and they try and sound like other marketers instead yeah. of looking at other broadcasters and saying, is there something I can take? What is this person doing well? What is it about their delivery that stays with me? And and allowing that to seep in. And, and, and so I think there needs to be a little bit of a rebalancing. 
doesn't mean I'm all my 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 Facebook group's called monetize live streaming now. I think you should sell. I think you should have a product. I think you should get paid. I think you should have sponsors. I think you can ask your audience to contribute. I'm all for that. I don't believe that the live streamer, the podcaster, or uh, the video creator should be the only person in this entire economy and ecosystem that doesn't get any cut of Mm. the content that's being created that brings views to these platforms, right? So I'm all for it. But it's how you're able to do that selling within the framework of content that stands on its own. And and I've I've heard you talk before about the that you should be monetized, especially live streamer stuff like that. And and even then, I I could hear the passion. Why 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 has that really struck a chord with you? Uh, because people will say, "Oh, I don't like it when so and so sells." I, I I think there's this idea that to to sell or to monetize is to be impure or to not be as authentic when in fact if you have a product or service that people need and you can help people and you're charging a fair price for it um you're you're helping people in a way by getting that in in front of them and if your product or service is in the same industry or field or area that your content covers why wouldn't your audience be interested in hearing about if you're creating videos, why wouldn't they be interested in hearing that you got a special offer for a video camera or right. a microphone or, or, or some sort of product or you want to talk about it? And, hey, if you don't mind, you you know, I, I think there's different levels at this. But at some level, um, if you really like somebody's content and it brings you back and it helps you, I, I think people are okay with clicking a button and and buying a product through their link or buying or or even contributing, but I, it it just has to be. I mean, this is where one of the things we we talk about predictions and trends and things. E-commerce and live streaming is coming together. Mm. It's merging and it's selling on video, live video and recorded video on platforms like Amazon and then on many other platforms and businesses, businesses that never live streamed or had anything to do with it, will probably find a way to have a a live streaming page on their website or whatever where anybody can live stream or create video reviews about products. It won't just be Amazon. And there will be purchasing integration where you tap a button on your phone you know you just touch that glass and all of a sudden you've ordered the product without ever leaving the live stream yeah so um and and assuming that people enjoy those live streams and icqvc makes money i've been doing a show called live stream deals since 2017 i don't do it with the same frequency as i did uh for several years but I, I mean, people like the, seem to like live streams where people are yeah. talking about products and services that are of interest to people who need those yeah. products or yeah. services. So if that's where eyeballs are going to go, and those are platforms, these selling platforms, where they actually want people to watch your live streams because it means they'll buy products that mm-hmm. that business sells. 
that's where the organic reach is going to be coming in yeah. the future. It's going to be coming on platforms like Amazon Live or, you know, Nordstrom's or Bloomingdale's yeah. or, you know, Target or who knows whom. But it's it's going to be yeah. one of these big companies, I think, at some point are going to say, what if we let people create videos and live yeah. stream? Yeah. And, and, and so, again, it doesn't mean your entire live stream has to be buy this microphone mm -hmm. or buy this book or whatever. But you talk, you can talk about live streaming tech, for example, and yeah. then say, hey, if you're looking for a, li uh, a microphone, check out the cart below or the, the carousel below. And, you know, you've we, got my, my top three recommendations are down there or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so number one, it's, it's coming. So if you're going to live stream, you know, we always want to check out the latest, greatest new, new gadgets and gear and features. And uh, this feature is coming. It, it, it's too long in coming. It should be here already everywhere. Right. But it's eventually going to be. And, and the other thing is it takes time. This is yeah. an advertising. There's a model that's existed in the media. You create a television show. I enjoy watching the television show. I put up with the fact that you're going to put commercials in this. Okay, yeah. maybe I recorded and skipped through, but the general business model exists, right? And it's the same. If I create a course, you pay to attend the course. If um, I have a radio show, we take a break for three minutes of commercials. Yeah. We'll come back with the our, our guest in just a few minutes. And yeah. you you stick on through because you want to hear the rest of the interview. Yeah. So this, this you you pay to go to a concert, you pay to watch a play, you pay for your entertainment, you buy a book at the bookstore. Why should the digital creator not be able to operate in the same way? Yeah, and it, it takes just as much time to host an hour show on live streaming as it does to host an hour show on TV. Now, maybe the preparation time and the number mm -hmm. of people, but in other words, people are, are, are need to spend money to do this stuff and they're providing value. And then the platforms are monetizing off of that content. If none of us put content on Facebook, who would Facebook sell our data and sell advertising to? That's right. True. So of course, why shouldn't we feel that, that we should, charge something whether it's charge a company to sponsor charge an audience member to view ask for a contribution or sell a related product that you know they don't have to pay to watch the show but hey maybe you'd like to check out to learn more here's the next step and yeah. and i not only don't see anything wrong with it i i see this is where where things are going it's very tough in 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 the modern economy um, to rely on just, I'm going to work a nine to five and I'm going to stay there for 40 years and retire with a gold watch. Companies still act as though that social compact is in place, but it isn't right. You're going to work until you're no longer useful. And then they're going to, or until they can replace you with somebody younger and less expensive. Yeah. And you're going, you're also may only work as long as you're needed to solve a specific problem. So that is true. if you do your job really well, you might not have a job anymore. 
because you've solved the problem. So we're yeah. all kind of free agents and independent contractors. Yeah. Even when we take a staff job, we're not legally independent contractors. Okay, so there's there's so many different reasons, but at, at, at its core, this is the future of live streaming, and it's the model everybody else creating creating media follows. So um, I don't think the live streamer or the podcaster or the video creator or the uh, digital author or what have you should be the only ones, the, the online course create, creator, who should be afraid to charge what they're worth and and monetize the value of what they're they're giving away. And ultimately, the market decides. Yeah. So if the market doesn't want it, you're not going to make money from it. But if the yeah. market does want it, you will. And you you shouldn't be afraid to ask. And if yeah. people are taking your content in for free for, for an hour and they can't handle and, and go to the website, there's some great resources there where you can learn more about the, the, the products we talked about or the topics we talked about, then shame on them. I mean, it, it, but again, it's how you do it, right? If you yeah. do it in a way that is awkward, if you do it in a way that's slow, that's grating, that's... Or, or, or that's too demanding or that, you know, you, 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 you're clearly over promising what you could possibly deliver. That's what turns people off. Yeah. If every deal is the greatest deal ever, if every product is, you know, <laughs> yeah. is gonna, is gonna solve all the world's problems, you know, then, then yeah, people get tired of that after a while and, yeah. and they tune out. But I, there's a lot of people who could clearly have a call to action and sell in their video and they wouldn't turn off their audience, but they're just afraid to do they're it. Afraid, or yeah. They don't know mechanically how to move it into the picture and move it out of the picture without making it take up the whole picture for too long. Yeah, that makes sense. No. Th those are solid points. And, and I hope anybody watching this or listening to this really was thinking about it and taking notes. If, if, you know, if, if you're in that camp of, yeah, but I, I don't know if I should and stuff like that, really think about what Ross was laying down there about don't be what I, I was thinking about. Don't be a, a, a starving streamer. You know, it's just there's no reason to be. Um, but you, you touched on one of the things that we wanted to talk about, too, is a book. So now among the many things that you've done in your career, you're an author. You're actually a number one best selling author uh the book is 100 live streaming and digital media predictions i i had the honor of of being in there i think i i do think it was the the first book i've ever been in oh, thank um, you for contributing other than you know my my high school annual um <laughs> and i really didn't want to be in it and now there's a new one coming out mm -hmm. um so which you're also in what well thank you very much what why why even do the books i mean what 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 was behind that so there are a couple things behind it, right? Um, one thing that was behind it was I put together a fifth anniversary uh, celebration live stream that was like six hours uh, for the fifth anniversary of Livestream Universe. And I'd been doing these annual predictions since uh, late 2015 for 2016. Uh, so this is actually, we're on our seventh year of, of doing this. And it's a lot it's a lot of work getting getting all the people to contribute tracking them down inviting them whatever so 
I invited almost everybody in my network who has been on a show or contributed to predictions to attend the uh, that live stream universe celebration. So I thought, while I've got people here, let me get them to, to deliver a prediction while they're live. And then I will save myself maybe the time of tracking them down. What I didn't think about is that when you ask somebody for a three to five sentence prediction, no. you generally get three to five sentences. When somebody does it talking through it, you get a lot more than three to five sentences. Um, and so when I went to transcribe it, the volume of material that I had mm. was a lot longer than a typical blog post. Wow. And then there were conversations before and after our um, the predictions were given. And those conversations dealt with live streaming and digital media and online business and events that we had gone to and, you know, our experiences live streaming over the years. And I thought, well, this is all book length stuff now, mm. you know, and believe me, getting people to submit by writing is far easier than transcribing six hours of audio, <laughs> believe me, and then cleaning it up and then cutting it to where, you know, yeah. you take the extraneous stuff out and all that. Um, but anyway, I realized I had like 45,000 to, to 50,000 words. I had a sizable book. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing was, okay, the predictions are largely from the industry for the industry, right? For people who are doing this, who are either real enthusiasts or they're professionals in the industry, they're content creators, right? And they're the people who make up the predictions. They're also largely the people who would look at the blog post on an annual basis. Now with the pandemic, everybody's using live video. You're using mm. Zoom for your meetings. Yeah. You're, you know, it, it's just become the way of communication. And, and the cool thing is there have been businesses that have saved themselves by using live streaming uh, when they couldn't have the foot traffic coming into their into their stores, they started live streaming and not only were able to reach their customers locally, but even gain customers from around the world. They never thought they would, they would have. So I felt like there was a, a purpose to also getting this out to a wider range of people. Only so many people are going to come to my website to read right. predictions about live streaming but a lot of people come to Amazon. And That's so true. let's make this available for people outside my network too, to uh, benefit from what all these different creators are sharing and all these different, you know, industry people and, and, and entrepreneurs have to say about how to, you know, survive and thrive in, in, you know, this crazy online world that we're, we're operating in. So you've got a best-selling book, and now you're coming out, uh, or actually, it's already out with with the volume two. Now, is this 101? Is it, or, or will it be? <laughs> how? What's what's the title of this one? All right, so we're calling it 100 Live Streaming and Digital Media Predictions, Volume Two. So Simple. we're going with another hundred predictions, none of the same ones that were in the first book. It's all newer predictions, and then I'm adding 30 more contributors on top of that, who are doing their entries in the realm of sort of strategy tips and advice. Mm. So there's going to be overlap between 
you know, prediction. They're going to have some, some forecasting and some trends in their things. And in the predictions, people obviously share tips and advice and strategy, but this is the additional content. So, um, there are 30, in addition to the 100 predictions, there's 30 more contributors who share tips and advice. Wow. And then I'm doing an expanded resources section that goes beyond uh, the resources I shared in, in, in the first book. Well, and you know, I mean, I, I bought a copy of the first book, not just because I was in it, but I mean, that was one of the reasons <laughs> I could cool. hold it up and go, hey, I'm in this. But then, and I think I said this in, in the review I left on Amazon, is that as you start flipping through it, it's like, man, there's like, there's gold in here. And so I, I would encourage anybody out there who's even just remotely interested in digital media and live streaming and stuff like that, pick up the book, pick up the first one too, but pick up this one as well and, and really go through and start seeing what people are saying. And you may not agree with all of it, but my word out of a hundred now, what, 130, if, if there's not some nuggets in there that you go, huh, I hadn't thought about that. Then I don't think you're paying attention. Yeah, I mean, I think what's great about it is it's a chance for people to really listen in on what people in the industry, people who do this, you know, 24-7, it seems, but people who are really involved and invested in in the online digital content space, what are they talking about? What are they thinking about? What are they concerned about? What are they? What is working for them? And what are they expecting the next trends are going to be? Are they always right? Of course not. None of us are always right. But at least you'll be introduced to concepts that you should at least monitor, maybe think about. Maybe you'll get an idea. Hey, if this thing takes off, this is where my business can move forward. Or you know what? You may find out everybody's saying uh, this is the cool trend to follow. But some of the people in the predictions say, don't waste your time with that. You might save yourself a lot of time, money, and aggravation going down a road that, you know, everybody's supposed to go down, but in fact is not really something that would be useful for you and, and, and your business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the book is is will is, is called a hundred a hundred. I see. I want keep wanting to hundred and one. So don't a hundred live stream and digital media predictions, volume two. You're much smarter at naming things than me. I would have just confused everything. Um, question for you. Sure. As we're starting to wrap up, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out as a content creator? Figure out what you are good at and what you enjoy doing, and what there might be an audience for. So if you can put together two or three of those things, you're going to have a much better chance to succeed, and you're going to enjoy yourself a whole lot more. So you need to create content that you're good at. Now, you might not be good right away, but you have the potential to be good. What are your strengths? And play to your strengths. Um, you know, from broadcasting, there are people who could do, do, uh, like for instance, okay, I, I wanted to do a music show. I'm just not come. I just don't come across like a DJ or, uh, you know, a guy leading a dance party. That's not me. I then wanted to do news, uh, news talk, right? 
that came a lot a lot better than doing than 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 doing music. Um, and then I had an opportunity to uh, interview a guy who was working on a halftime show for a football game, and we decided to pick some games. And it was within instance that like, okay, sports might be my third choice, but clearly when I talk about sports. People resonate with that. Mm. People feel like I come from a place of knowing or I bring a certain enthusiasm or my natural, you know, delivery. It's already, you know, sort of shaped for that realm, whether I like it or not. Right. Right. And I don't dislike it. But so so understand what your strengths are, your strengths, long form talk or your strengths grabbing a mobile phone and and sharing a tidbit or are, are you better at at doing unscripted or are you better at putting together a, a, an edited video that you walk people through stages what are you good at what do you like doing hopefully that there's an overlap there yeah. because you're going to spend a lot of time learning refining your skills putting content out there and if it doesn't work you'll spend more time refining and getting better if it does work guess what you've now opened yourself up to a lot of work to keep creating that content and then have an idea of what there might be an audience for what Mm. what do people respond to you when you talk about and and what are people interested in um i i almost would say if you start with your strengths and, and and what you enjoy doing you'll 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 be on your way to finding out that third piece but it is important because there are some topics that there isn't much of an audience for and there are yeah. other topics that the sky's the limit for how far you can go with and and so you either have to find a niche that there's an audience for or you have to pick a very wide topic and be exceptionally exceptionally good yeah. at it uh but but that would be my my tip for getting started and 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 that's to focus on the person on the microphone or writing the blog or hosting the podcast focus on yourself and figure out what you can bring uh to the market and then uh the next thing is to start to understand some of the strategies and tactics and tech and and the tools right yeah. it's most the most the biggest differentiator is you it's the person That's who's true. creating then you need to learn some of the things like we talk about in the book we talk about some of the the aspects of creating and and hosting and communicating but there's also a lot of the trends and marketing techniques and tech and things like that. And you need to become versed in that enough so that you can get your content, no matter how good it is, you still got to get it in front of somebody. Oh yeah. So, um, if you get it in front of somebody and it's not good, it doesn't really matter. But if you, if it's really good and you can't get it in front of somebody, then it's the tree falling in the forest or whatever that expression is. So, so that's, I mean, the, the, there's, there's three things. I mean, it comes down to, you know, broadcasting or writing or whatever that the field of the creation comes from, it comes down to the technology to pull it off and enough marketing, social media, know how to get it in front of, of, of an audience. So there are really three aspects of live streaming and digital creation. That's powerful. Powerful. All right. Well, 
It's the time of the show where we have a little fun. Okay. It's called Over <laughs> Under. I'm going to ask you five things, totally unrelated. And okay. uh, I, I just want you to you know, share, or do you think they're overrated, underrated? Why? There's no money on the table. You're not going to win anything. People may disagree, but that's okay. That's the okay. fun part. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Hit First me. thing, overrated or underrated podcasting? I'd say underrated. I'd say underrated. I, I think uh, podcasting continues to grow. Uh, we always keep hearing, is this just a fad? Is this just a bubble? And yet it continues to grow. And you see people who are YouTubers and live streamers and writers and every other thing that they may be mastering and having a great audience building actors and celebrities politicians and yet they're all launching podcasts there must be a reason that is and that is you know there's still room that's still a space where you can make a difference so i would say in spite of the fact that it seems to be everywhere i think it's in in the in the larger picture it's still underrated facebook wow that is a <laughs> tough one <laughs> Uh, I really want to say overrated. Mm. I really do. There's a lot that's wrong with Facebook. But if you ignore Facebook, you're you're also missing out. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to go with underrated. It's 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 so overrated that it's underrated. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's so assumed to be this big behemoth that's just useless you can that you're you're probably not taking advantage of it in ways that you could by focusing so much on what's wrong with it the creator economy wow these are really tough thanks um i'm gonna say the creator economy is overrated Ooh, why so I'm a big believer in the creator economy. I think what's wrong is that there are people with a lot of influence who've won because of either their talent, getting in early, exceptional luck, exceptional skill in some area, the right place at the right time, the right topic or industry. And they believe that you know, being a creator is the answer to everybody's business mm. and everybody's problem. And anybody, if they just create enough content and throw enough stuff against the wall, will be successful. And I would say more along the line of don't quit your day job. You know, mm. start creating in your spare time, get good at it, learn the techniques, play it as a long game. You have to, the, the worst thing I've seen over the years is when somebody goes into live streaming, podcasting, whatever, because they think that's going to be something that, that pays the bills. And then the pressure that comes to them and the, the fun just gets completely squeezed yeah. out of it. And, you know, it's, it, it's horrible to think you're one more video away from, you know, making your rent or, or, yeah. you know, paying for food or whatever. So I think in the sense that there's a lot of money in, in the creator economy, that is true. I think it will grow. 
I think it's wrong to tell people that everybody should be there. Mm. I, I still think there are other ways to earn a solid living and not stress as much. And, you know, there's nothing that's for everybody. And I yeah. think the creator economy, while it's a real thing and it's growing and those of us who have skills and knowledge that work for it and are building audiences can succeed in it. But that isn't everybody. Not everybody no. can quit what they're doing and tomorrow be, you know, a fantastic all-star blogger or, you yeah. know, host of an award-winning podcast or, you know, so, you know, found a YouTube channel that in two years will have 100,000 subscribers. That just, this is a very long game. Yeah. And uh, the time to start isn't necessarily when you're at the bottom of the hill unless yeah. you have those skills and talent and, and so forth to climb and and it's tough. So I, I would say it's it's overrated. Man, that was good. Uh overrated or underrated virtual events. Virtual events are underrated. Mm. Problem is that most virtual events stink. <laughs> and the, the the problem is that most people think a virtual event is you open up a Zoom, you pack some people in, you 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 talk a little bit, you have them give the same speech they would have given when they were in an in-person event, and it's done, and people should love it, and they should buy all the replays, and uh, you you should build an email list of hundreds of thousands. No, virtual events take preparation, they take time, they take thought in terms of the content, in terms of what you're providing for the audience, in terms of what the audience's takeaway is, how you market them, how you, uh, where you hold them, mm. what type of networking opportunities, how you monetize them. There is a lot of potential in virtual events that isn't being tapped. And the reason it isn't being tapped is because it takes a, an outlay of time and money ahead of time. It's not like if I if I hold it, it will happen and all my dreams will be fulfilled. No, you have to invest ahead of time in the things that will make a, a virtual event successful. So I think that if people are moving away from virtual events right now, it's because they don't see the potential of a virtual event hmm. that is its own event and 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 really is it is more event than video in zoom <laughs> no that makes sense all right here's the last one okay it's not maybe as controversial overrated underrated cowboy boots cowboy boots oh man i told you that's, these may not have an interesting anything to do with anything so yeah i mean i think they're underrated i mean who doesn't like a good western or old time you know, cowboy boots are a necessity when you go certain places. Um, I don't own any, but I don't go to those places. <laughs> I, I'm an indoor behind the microphone kind of guy. But, you know, if you're out, out in certain places, cowboy boots are the thing to wear. And uh, they're also useful. There's a reason why cowboys wore them, right? So, there you go. So I think they're underrated. I I, I, I enjoy a good pair of cowboy boots. Well, there you not, go. Not well, for me wearing, but right. just... Just, just in them. general, yeah. Just knowing they're out there is a good thing. So, Ross, it's been fantastic having you on the show. And where can folks connect with you? 
Okay, livestreamuniverse.com is my website, and you'll find everything uh, there, how to connect with me. And you can also uh, DM me through Twitter at uh, the letter I, Ross Brand. And there'll be links to the books and everything there, too. Thank you. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Ross, thank you so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me, Kevin. This was a blast. <laughs>